Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Well, welcome, welcome. We were just chatting and having a blast today, talking about on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you rate yourself on a worry meter? 10 being like the weary worrier. And before you answer that, all those of you who are listening out there, we are going to introduce our guest here as we talk about where are you on that worry meter. And we have Barb Roos, who is an author, and her latest book is Winning the Worry Battle, Life Lessons from the Book of Joshua. And Barb has been struggling with all kinds of worry and anxiety. And as she's gone along, she has taken this battle and now chosen to help us understand what it what it looks like, especially in the biblical um, form of what we can do with our worry. And, and Barb, for whatever reason, I am like fumbling through my words today. So that's giving me anxiety and it's also making me be um, in this tongue twisting mode. So apparently I can learn from you today on what you're going to share with us on this worry and anxiety. So welcome, Barb. How are you today? I am excited to be with you. Uh, I am thrilled that we have a chance to talk about a topic that all of us feel like we have a little fumble with because I don't know about you. I still have those fumble moments with worry and anxiety. And that's the, that's the great part about this discussion. We get to all figure this out together. Well, it's funny, Barb, that we're having this conversation uh, because I think it is crazy when you when you start the anxiety spiral, like just now when I, when the first sentence was coming out and I was like, wait, what, what am I going to say? <laughs> you, you get that, uh, what is it, an amygdala hijacking in your brain where all of a sudden you go, oh, it's not happening, it's not coming out, which just spirals it even more, and it creates that anxiety and stress, and your heart starts racing, and then you get tongue-tied, and it's just like, okay, breathe, God's got this, and you have to just let it go. So, Help us with that. What, what, first of all, tell us your story, why you even went into, I'm going to write this, this book on the, battling the worry. Well, this journey began for me with actually Joshua himself. Uh, it was uh, 2011, and I was on staff at a local church for 14 years. And there was a series I was a part of, and our lead pastor asked us to choose someone in the Bible who had this courageous faith. And I always have admired Joshua. He uh, always reminds me of Captain America, Chris Evans' Captain America, uh, this valiant super soldier. He was a leader. But when I sat down and opened up the book of Joshua, and I noticed right at the very beginning that God had this rhythm of continuously whispering, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. And for me, as a leader and as someone who uh, wanted to be strong and courageous, I thought it was unique that God would keep whispering this. And I thought, 
is there something to explore here? Was there something going on behind the scenes of Joshua's mind? Did he fight a worry battle? And that encouraged me because all of us, we all have this game face. But behind all of our game faces is often a hot mess. And that interior part of us that struggles with those mental movies, that's something that I've dealt with ever since I was a young girl. I was always thinking about those what-if disasters waiting around the corner. And I can remember even in high school having regular meltdowns because what was going on in my mind, I was always having meltdowns over stress. And the what-if is so powerful. That's the story we tell ourselves. And, and it can lead down such a, like we've talked a, a path that just spirals downward, where at some point you're like, what, where am I? How did I get here? So do you find that as part of the journey? Like all of a sudden you don't even realize you're on this path and there's like, wait a minute, who am I now? I like to call it worry flicks. Uh, in the book, there are a lot of visuals to, that I needed to help me capture not only what worry looked like, also what the solution looked like. But one of the vision or one of the visuals that I use is worry flicks. If we think about Netflix, the beauty of Netflix is that there are always shows that can be watched, and the same thing goes for worry. Worry, it's. It's a series of what if mental movies that we have. And so for me, I think most practically, if I'm waiting for someone like my husband or kids and they're late, what if they've been in an accident? What if they're somewhere and I can't get to them? What if they're in a ditch dying? Those are natural worst case scenarios that we jump to. And our mind is always plugged into worry flicks. It is a natural human thing that we do. And the tough part about worry flicks is that we will keep watching those movies until we discipline ourselves to cancel the subscription mm. because worry flicks will always wear us out. Mm. I, I like the terminology worry flicks because if, if you can label those emotions, I think that just creates this healthy sense of moving forward by knowing, okay, right now I'm caught up in a worry flick. And I've even heard, tell me what you think of this, Barb, where you can schedule your worry time. <laughs> and I think, oh, that, that's bizarre. But if, if you are starting to get caught up in that worry flick and it's spiraling to go, okay, I'm aware of it, I'm going to categorize it, I'm labeling it, and then from 2 o'clock to 2.15, I will worry about this, pray about it, and then I have to move on. Do you think that's that's doable or is that just some, you know, psychological babble that we can put into play and think about, but it's too hard to figure it out? What I love about that kind of tool is that the first thing that it does is it gives us compassion for the reality of where we are. The statistics tell us that 40 or 20% of Americans over the age of 18 struggle with severe worry and anxiety. When we think about that, that's one out of five people. If you extrapolate that out, maybe that was your mom or your dad or you. And when we think about someone who struggles with severe worry and anxiety, that person's always beating themselves up. 
So anytime we can bring compassion into our worry battle is always a great thing. One of the reasons why I love the book of Joshua, when I realized that God was telling him to be strong and courageous, that I wanted to explore, were there places where worry and anxiety were a part of Joshua and the Israelites' experience? And as a result of that, I was able to look into the scriptures, and and really, as I was asking God, how can we use this? There are a number of tools that allow us, when we experience worry, we don't even have to spend 15 minutes. I love, there's a verse in Matthew 6, 27, where Jesus says, can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And when I think about that, I go, how much of my life, those best and precious moments, do I want to lose to worry? If that is the instruction, then how can I, how, how does Joshua's story help? So there are tools to help us distinguish between worry and concern. Though that tool alone allows us to go, what's actionable and what's wasting my time? And then if I'm worried about someone else, okay, what are the most helpful ways that I can get in and make a difference? And then what's hurtful? So there are tools that help us to be compassionate, but also not lose the best and precious moments of our lives to worry. Hmm. They really do rob us, don't they? And they rob us of the present moments and, and just the joy to be found because they're just, they basically are just drawing that life right out of us. And we don't even realize we're in that spiral. So for you, when you started this, how did you, what was, did you have like an aha moment or did you have like a series where you went, wow, I am high on this worry scale. Was there something from you that triggered that? The, there was a breaking point at which I realized that something had to change. Uh, and I, there was a situation that happened with one of my kids. And um, I, I write about that story. But if, if I can, I'd also, if you would let me, um, jump to during the book, while I was writing this book, my dad got sick. Mm. And this whole worry-anxiety thing was tested while I wrote the book. And so the, the breaking point for me happened in two, on a spring day in 2002. But in October of 2017, I got a call, and I was, about, I was about halfway done with the book. And my dad, who had turned 67 the week before, he had never been in the hospital a day in my life. And my sister called and said, uh, Dad called me. He wanted to say goodbye. And mm. my dad was in renal failure in the hospital, and I had to get in the car, drive across the state. And we had known for about a week that he was really sick, but we didn't know exactly what was going on. The day after I got there, the doctors told us that my dad had metastatic lung cancer, and he only had days to live. Mm. And Jesus' words in Matthew six twenty seven became powerful and real to me in that moment. Here I was, I was in the middle of writing a book on worry and anxiety, and the doctors were telling us that my dad, who was one of the most loving, compassionate, kind people that God has ever put on this planet, he was going to leave us in a matter of days. And I had to ask myself a question, Barb, are you going to let fear and worry steal the last precious moments of your life that you have with your dad? And so everything that I had been writing about, it was put to the test while I was writing this book. And in fact, my dad passed away eight days after he was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. Wow. That, that is life changing when you, and, and you're confronted going, how do I respond? What is my response to all of this? Um, 
That is really hard. Um, yeah. Um, just the whole, I, the reason I'm pausing, cause we only have, we have less than a minute, but I just kind of experienced what you just said, um, in March, my, I lost my dad in March and I was away on a trip out of the country when I got word that he had just a few days and hours to live. So I understand that you took me to that place. Um, and it, it's hard, uh, because you go, what is my response? What are my emotions? And I know that for me, sometimes I kick into the, I got to be strong. I got to do this. And, and sometimes don't allow myself to feel, which sometimes with worry, um, there's so much feeling in a negative way. Uh, but just processing through all that and going, okay, what is, what do I, who am I with this and doing that? We're going to take a quick break on that note. That was kind of back dark note. Be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. What has less than 50 calories per serving is rich in potassium, B vitamins, beta carotene, and a great source of fiber? It is pumpkin. There are many fabulous ways to reap the benefits of this winter squash from October to February. CNN reports the pumpkin is nearly 90% water, and one cup of canned pumpkin has 7 grams of fiber. Fiber slows digestion and will help you feel fuller longer, which is fabulous for weight loss. It has nearly 20% of the daily vitamin C requirements, which is wonderful for your immune system. They also state that pumpkin can lower cancer risk and help keep your skin younger looking. But one of the most beneficial reasons to enjoy pumpkin is that it packs over 200% of the daily recommended intake of vitamin A and other antioxidants that help prevent macular degeneration and cataracts. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, for those of you who struggle with worry and anxiety, each day can feel as if you're fighting a losing battle. And we are chatting with author Barb Roos, and she understands what it means to battle with worry. And she's here today to share her new book. And I have a couple 
questions for you, Barb, on your new book, Winning the Worry Battle, is, first of all, you have a great tool on there that goes into what kind of worrier are you, which I want to make sure we talk about today. And then also, my other question is, how often do the things we worry about actually happen? Because it always blows me away whenever I see the statistic on this, that we spend so much time with this narrative in our head, and yet when you really realize what are we worrying about? Do we have true control over the things that we're, we're worrying about? So once again, two questions. Tell us a little bit about what kind of worry we are and where, where we can find that tool. And how often do the things we worry about actually happen? I love that question. And thanks again, ladies, for having me. There are a number of different types of worrying behaviors. Uh, worry is something that we're, we're it, um it manifests in our mind the thoughts and then the emotions, and then those end up coming out as certain behaviors. So some of the passive worrying behaviors are the silent sufferer. This is the woman who keeps all of her fears and worries to herself, and so when things are happening around her and it makes her anxious, she just stuffs it all down. Then there's the mother hen, and the mother hen isn't so much about activity, but she can nag like a rock star. And so this is the woman who calls her friends or her family 10 times a day because she wants to know, did they get there? Are they okay? Do they have everything they need? Did you see this news article? Do you know if you walk across the street at midnight at 3 o'clock? She is just constantly calling and texting because if she keeps reaching out, then she feels better. And then the more active warriors, you've got the busy body. And this is the woman who does not like to let there be loose ends. Loose ends make her anxious. All right, well, we, we lost Barb for just a little bit there. So we're going to go ahead and keep moving forward on what kind of worrier are you? And Lisa, do you find that you are, are worrying now more as you? Hi, you've reached Barb. I'm not available right now. But leave me a message and I'll return your call. Just I think Barb is available. We, she just doesn't know that. <laughs> Are you feeling a little anxiety right now, Lise? Yeah. Should we worry about Barb? Should we worry about this? I'm not sure. Because we last lost Barb at Active Warrior, being a busybody, but I'm anxious to know what the fourth one is. Um. We're leaning in. We are leaning in for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's so funny. Um, where, where are you on that scale, Lisa? Of I think I might be, I could be the silent sufferer where I stuff it. I think that's tend to be me. And I'm anxious to learn what number four is because perhaps I'm number four worrier. I don't know. How about you? Well, I think I am a worrier that processes everything out loud. So, which, which is, uh, unfortunately, you have to get the brunt of that because you're the stuffer, so you'll, you'll be quiet, and I will fill all that space with all my noise and every thought that I've ever had will just, I throw it up. So I, I have a tendency to process those thoughts and then I can walk away from it, um, which I, I think is healthy. I feel, I feel like I'm a healthy worrier 
And <laughs> that, is that the story you tell yourself? I think that is the story I tell myself. I, 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 find think that's my- a good, I think that's a good story because then when I listen to you in my silence, in my stuffing, then I'm living through you. So then it's like you've done the processing and I'm like, yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. I don't need to process now. See, I can, yeah. I can, I can, I can do release my worry through your processing. Does that work? You think you think you can you can release through that? I I sometimes I'll get irritated at God when you you pray. You know, you you look at the at scripture and you know in Philippians how we're you know supposed to just cast cast our cares, give it to God, focus on you know things that are good, noble, and you go, okay, God, I'm doing everything. Like I, this is, I'm, I, this is my therapy session right now where I feel like I am giving it over to you. So would you please take it? You know, that feeling where you, you feel like you're begging him to take it, like just sustain Mm -hmm. me here. And yet then all of a sudden you start playing the reel again and you go, okay, God, I, I don't understand. Like what, what do I have to do to truly give this over to you? Mm -hmm. And so it's hard sometimes because you feel like I, I can't just walk around and have my nose in scripture to try to get my thoughts in the right place. Mm-hmm. So what, what do you do with that as a, as a practice and as a skill set? You know, what's kind of emerging and kind of the conversation here with me, it's like, with, I don't know that I call myself a worrier, but I think I deal with fear and I don't know how much of worrying is, is comes from fear. Um, fear of the unknown fear of, you know, she talked earlier about the what if, and so that kind of can cause worry because I don't know that I would, I would say I'm a worrier. But fears, and that's like where you're projecting um, what we talked about earlier, like something that could happen, um, might happen, or somebody will say something that this happened to them and this is, they're very confident in something happening and then all of a sudden you kind of absorb that and go, oh my gosh, that might happen to me too. And then you start leaning into that and, and playing those tapes. And so... I think fear has a, a lot to do with this. And, um, and I, I, even in our culture, we're, we're living in more of a fear-based culture right now than we have uh, motivated by fear. I mean, we're saturated in the, in the media by fear, um, trying to get us, you know, because fear is a big motivator. Who is this? Oh, Barb, I'm so sorry. Barb, they're trying to call you. I'll tell them to try. The, your, your, your phone is on vo- um, on pause or whatever. The studio is trying to call you. So take it off. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. So you just, you just created anxiety for me. <laughs> I thought I... Wait, we heard you. Your whole conversation. Okay, I'm laughing so hard. So, so here's the story. Okay, so Barb is trying to call me right now. Barb is trying to call me, and I kept thinking, who's this person who keeps trying to call me? (laughs) So I finally answered it, but I thought I put it on mute, and I'm like, okay, I hope I hope Lisa can just keep going here. (laughs) Oh no, we we heard you. We heard you. So I told Barb, they're trying to call you right now. Well, you yeah. heard that. So I don't have to tell you what I said. You don't have to tell but, us. But I just went, we went mute listening to you talk to Barb. So. Okay. Well, it's just funny because how long have we been doing radio, Lise? Like eight years, I think. Eight or nine yeah. years. <laughs> and this was the first time we've had this. Hey, Barb, how are you? 
I am doing well. I am sorry, ladies. I was like, oh, no. What? Oh, so, well, I'm back. Well, I, I got to tell you, I feel like we are all living in a Saturday Night Live skit right now. It's like, okay, who are we? So to our listeners, I hope you're enjoying the ride and will stay with us that we didn't lose you. And this is kind of fun. I mean, this is, what are you going to do, right? So, um, exactly. I, you can't make this stuff up. This is you so good. But what a great topic. When we're talking about anxiety and worry, that it's, it's just perfect. I mean, yeah, you can either stress out about it or welcome to live radio is what our producer is saying right now on the screen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah well, Barb, Barb, when we last left you, like a while ago, and um, <laughs> you had just shared with us three of your worry behaviors, and so Patty and I were trying to figure out which one, and we were waiting for number four. So you have us on the edge of our seat for number four, so we're going to give you a voice now. <laughs> and we have three more minutes until the end of the segment. See how fast that goes when you, Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know what? We I think that this might be a great setup because number four in the deepest irony of all is the control freak, ladies. It is when this I know, isn't that like it's almost kind of worth the wait. But the the control freak is that fourth worrying personality and this is the person who insists that they can fix anything that happens that stresses her out. And I know that this personality type is near and dear to my heart because that was a lot of what my worries were driven by, my need to control things. So uh, we are looking at those four types, the silent sufferer, the busybody, the mother hen, and the control freak. But the unique data on the second part of your question is that 85% of what you and I are worried about never happens. So all of those things that we're doing that manifest our worry, stuffing it, nagging, being busy and controlling, 85% of what we're trying to prevent never actually happens. Mm-hmm. And yet yeah. we're spending an exorbitant amount of time worrying on that. So we're wasting so much energy mm-hmm. on things that will not happen. Exactly. And there's another piece of that statistic. They said that for the 15% of the worst-case scenario that does happen, that what people discover, those in the study, they realized that first they could handle that awful event much better than what they thought they could, and then second, they realized that that hardship, that worry that really happened, that when they got through it, it made them stronger and more confident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, every time I hear that, oh, it makes you stronger, oh, it, it deepens how you, you know, will handle things, it, it helps you be more confident, I, I keep going, I don't know if I want to be stronger, I, I don't know if I want to have to deal with, you know, stress, anxiety, tragedy, so I can be a, a better, stronger, and, you know, stretch myself, uh, yeah, so it's like, okay, God, if you're doing that, be really gentle in in that process, please. <laughs> I yes. agree. I agree with you because they say that which doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But you know what? It almost makes like if it's gonna if it feels like it's gonna kill you, that means it hurts. Yes. Right. And we don't like pain. We avoid pain. 
So, yeah. And, exactly. <laughs> and you have to laugh through, through life. We're going to have to take an, another break. I know it, it seems like it flew by for you, Barb, um, <laughs> this, this, this segment. <laughs> and we're going to come back with our, our next segment. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Just as you need to give your car gasoline or diesel to fuel it, you need to give your body the right kind of fuel also. I am often asked, should I eat before I work out? The answer is yes. Cooper Aerobics Center recommends that you eat oatmeal or another hot cereal, a plain English muffin, toast or mini bagel, low-fat or fat-free regular or Greek yogurt, a fruit smoothie, or a snack bar before you work out. Eating a piece of fruit is a fabulous choice because it is low-calorie, packed with vitamins and minerals, and carbohydrates are the optimal fuel source to consume before a workout. Your body requires carbohydrates, and they are absorbed very quickly. Eating an apple or banana on your way to the gym is a good idea and will fuel your body for the workout ahead. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show Patty? with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Hello. Okay, Hello. And we are talking with our author, Barb Bruce, and we have been having um, quite the heyday talking about uh, winning the worry battle, life lessons from the book of Joshua. And Barb is out here to help women gain victory over their anxieties by fighting with faith. And Barb, we, we went into the commercial talking about, first of all, you have different temperaments. Um, different styles of worrying, and also that 85% of what we're worrying about uh, really won't even take place. And so many times we, um, we're worrying over something we don't need to be worrying about. And that's just a good reminder to focus on, is this something that's actually going to happen? What's the narrative that I'm playing and internalizing? And 
also look at it with the hope of what you said, Barb, is that 15% of, of the things that we worried about when it finally did happen, then we grew stronger and even our, our faith deepens and inc incredible things will happen through our, our worry and our stress. But I, I also want to talk about, you had mentioned that the younger generation is really caught up in, in worrying and anxiety. So tell us a little bit about that. There are some really interesting numbers that are being tracked for the millennials, and they found that money worries and career worries, life planning, are really accelerating in millennial in that generation. And it's interesting to me because this is a generation who their parents were able to provide wealth for them. They did not face a lot of uncertainty uh, when it came because, well, we generally, as parents, were helicopter parents. Well, now that they are out on their own, there are a lot of worries because they have to navigate much more uncertainty. So one of the lessons that it's taught me, especially since my daughters are now adults, is to walk beside them and help them to learn how to become uncomfortable in uncertainty. Because that's when we think about Joshua, uh, and he was standing on the edge of the Jordan. He was looking over the water before taking the Israelites into the promised land. He did not know what would be there. But what God gave him confidence, that God would be with him and for him in every circumstance. And I think for us as adults, the greatest gift that we could give to the millennials in our lives is not trying to solve their, wor their problems for them, but to walk beside them and to remind them that they can have confidence in a God who will be with them in uncertainty. Mm. That, that's, that's really good. I mean, because it is, it's how do we, we, send, we tend to categorize uncertainty and stuff and, and we, as a bad thing and not embrace and go, no, especially for believers. It's like, this is when God, we really need God to show up and depend on his strength. And allow God, this is where faith comes in, instead of trying to do it on our own and, and do it by ourselves. And, um, and uncertainty can also lead to creativity, can lead to a lot of different things if we truly embrace it. But I think we've been kind of taught, and we were talking, um, Barb, behind your back when you were trying to phone in, um, about the role fear plays in all of this. <laughs> Um, fear plays in all this of worrying. It's like, I, I fear for this. I don't know what's going to happen. And that's kind of a form of worry. How would you categorize? So like kind of three words I think of, and I think you've addressed like the, um, the difference between like worry, anxiety, and like even fear. Is there like a distinction in those words? So this is another place where I wanted to have a helpful visual. I have been terrified of spiders my entire life. And it was actually my fear of spiders that God used to help me see the relationship between fear and worry. If you think about a spider, and so it's got the center of its body and it has eight legs, the center of the spider's body is the fear. It is the thing that, it, that makes us feel threatened, that makes us feel insecure. Worry, our worries are the what if. Those are the legs that come off of the spider's body. And so my fear of spiders is in the center. What if a spider crawls out and scares me? What if a spider bites me? What if one chases me down the street? Those are all of the what-if legs that come off of that center of fear. 
So in the book, I say that the fear of our fear is our worry, because that the root of our worries are fear. And I think that's also why the Bible has hundreds of verses about do not be afraid and do not fear, because God knew that the best way to circumvent worry was to make sure that we stayed clear of fear. Mm. Hmm. I like that the fear of our fear is worry. Yeah, in the book I call it eight-legged worry. Okay. How did you come up with the spider? Just because that was a fear of yours? And you just kind of, because that's an interesting analogy. It, I, you know what, as a small kid, I was nine, I was standing in the bathroom, and I saw a tiny spider, and my mom said, well, you should just kill it yourself. And <laughs> in that moment, I didn't remember that moment as a kid, it was a little spider minding its own business in the corner, and I thought it was going to kill me. And I remember just allowing my imagination to run wild, and it planted something inside of me that I'm still trying to deal with today. In fact, when I... I mentioned that I um, chose Joshua long ago for that weekend message. I was given a choice to do something courageous, and my choice was to either go skydiving or pet a tarantula at the zoo, and I jumped out of an airplane. That's how badly I did not want to have to deal with a spider. Wow. That's fear. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little. I mean, I loved going skydiving, but petting a tarantula at a zoo was definitely, that was just a no-go. Wow. That's very interesting. Well, um, we want to make sure, again, we want to thank you for coming on our show and just being a part of the party. Uh, I mean, this has been a party and um, the uncertainty (laughs) unexpected. We have had so much fun and you are such a trooper. Love it. How can our listeners find out more about you, about this book, um, and, and as they like, if they find themselves, identify themselves on some um, aspect of the scale of worry, and they're like, okay, I want to do something about this, um, lead us, guide us into where the best resources and, and to find you. Well, wonderful. And thank you again for having me. And so for the listeners, if you or someone you know is struggling with worry or anxiety, uh, this, the book itself, Winning the Worry Battle, it takes the powerful principles from the book of Joshua, and I combine it with practical tools that work to help you end those stressed out days and sleepless nights. I have lots of tools. If there are people in your life that you are losing sleep over, I have a sorted out tool. If you need to have a hard conversation with someone that you love and you're just tied up in knots, there's a carefrontation tool. There are prayer tools. So you can go online to any of your Christian, any retailers out there, Christian or no, and you can find the Winning the Worry Battle book. I'm hanging out over at barbruce.com. I have a 21-day of prayer challenge for those of you who just need a little daily encouragement to help you really connect with God over the topic of fear and worry because he is the one that gives us victory over it. And if you are on social media, uh, you can find my social media information. I know that that is a place where we can all encourage each other. And so you can find my author page at uh, facebook.com slash Barbara Ruth. And you, and you sp- and spell your last name for them to find it. It is Ruth Light Goose, R-O-O-S-E. Perfect. So good. We just appreciate this has been such a great conversation. I just have a question I wanted to, because uh, I think you deal with this. Um, you, you have, you, I think you categorize it as, as three fighting friends. 
um, as tools. Because so yeah. many times when we're worrying, you know, we're told just pray about it. And that's really good advice. And it's really good to, to do. And we should be doing that. But there's also tools that can kind of, it's, it's part of the package. And can you just uh, briefly just share those tools that you have found that really kind of give you what you need to in this battle? Thank you. The three fighting friends are peace, courage, and strength. And so, yes, we do need to pray. But when we fight a battle, if you think about the military, they don't just use one tool. The military, mm-hmm. they use multiple tools. And so we have to use all of these God-empowered tools in concert with the Holy Spirit to help us win our worry battle. And so peace, courage, and strength are the tools. And the book gives techniques for how to use those tools in concert with each other so that we understand how those tools can effectively be used in everyday life. And can you, how did you come up with these three tools? I mean, how did you identify those? Joshua 1.8, very briefly, when I looked at Joshua 1.8, God told Joshua it was his plan for success. He said, study this book of of instruction continually, meditate on it day and night, be obedient to everything written in it, and then you will be successful in all that you do. And so God's word brings us peace. And then when we meditate on it, the things that we think about, courage is this commitment. And then strength, we grow stronger when we grow in obedience to God. So that's where the inspiration for those three fighting friends, those three tools came from. Mm. Such good things just to identify, to go, okay, and we can remember those three and go, this is what I need to arm myself with and to be prepared for. Because I like what you said, it's like battles aren't won with just one one tool or one weapon and that you've, you've, uh, you know, kind of categorize them as fighting friends because it is a battle. And I think that's what we have to realize. This is a battle. It's tough, but we have what we need. And I love, I, I too love Joshua. I think he's such a great example, um, of, you know, just how God uses people. And there's so many analogies and things to take from that. Um, as we, as we close, um, what is something that you learned from this project that maybe you didn't expect to learn? We have one minute, um, that it was kind of an outcome of you diving into this topic. The one thing that I learned for me was that I did not, I could be compassionate with myself when I worried, but I also could commit to really using the tools that God has given me to fight the worry battle and to live an expectation that he'll give me victory. And so the compassion and the commitment, that energizes me every day so that when I wake up, if I know that I'm going to worry about something, I know that I do not have to, to, to struggle with worry. I know that I am equipped to fight it in Jesus' name. That are, those are great words to leave on. I love compassion and commitment. If we would just kind of adopt those and live those. Again, Barb, thanks so much for joining and sharing your insight and your, just kind of some divine wisdom. We appreciated you and had a great time. You've been listening to Girlfriend at Radio. This is Girlfriend on Togginet.
Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. According to a recent Gallup poll, 56% of Americans say they want to lose weight. Staying slim is important for a multitude of reasons. If you want or need to lose weight, do it now. Excess pounds lead to a whole host of life-threatening conditions, including heart disease, some cancers, and diabetes. The Journal of the American Dietetic Association reports that obesity is also associated with suppression of immunity, which can leave you more vulnerable to getting sick. The longer you wait, the more prone you are to contract a life-threatening condition. Not only that, being sluggish and having low energy will continue in your life until you get that extra weight off. Find an eating program that works for you and increase your exercise to do more than you're doing now. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond, keeping you healthy, happy, and fit. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio, and we have had a delightful day. So all of our listeners out there, we appreciate uh, just the messages coming in that you're having fun as well, we hope. And we're, we're just talking about what are the most common things that people worry about. And apparently money is the number one thing that people worry about. And then we have health care, our economy terrorist attacks, social security system, and just basically the direction of our country. But Lisa and I were laughing this morning as we were saying, okay, this should be like major concerns, which it is. It is. You definitely want to pray about this. And I said, I guess I'm really simple-minded because lately, this whole week, I have been a hot mess. Barb was talking about just the anxiety of being a hot mess. I have been teaching some classes on time management and delegation and prioritizing. And as I'm going in to teach these classes, I realize I'm sitting there in the airport in Seattle and it's it's raining outside. I don't have an umbrella. I don't have a jacket. And I have to go out and get on a plane that's outside. It's a little propeller plane to go from Seattle to Walla Walla, Washington. And I'm laughing, going, okay, my inbox is loaded up. Up. I'm here I am teaching people how to use their outlook, how to use their calendars, how to do this. And you know that whole thing where your action speaks louder than words? Um, I, I wasn't, I wasn't cutting it. I wasn't rocking it. I wasn't making it happen. And Lisa, when I told you that this morning, that wasn't a surprise to you. 
<laughs> not really, but actually I've been impressed. If I'm like, are you doing all that stuff? Holy cow, that's impressive. You're like, <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> it's like, okay, because if you are, it's like, the, I don't know this person, and wow, I'm feeling really bad by comparison. <laughs> <laughs> well, from day one, when you and I travel uh, together, you have you have mocked me relentlessly. But I get no, I, I should say I've I've mocked you more than you've mocked me on how I pack because in the airline industry, like everything is compact. I I roll up everything. Many times I'll even use. Um, a Ziploc bag to put all, you know, these specific items go in here. My t-shirts go in another Ziploc and whatever shoes I'm going to wear, I'm usually wearing them and whatever I'm going to teach in, which is really kind of crazy when I'm saying it out loud, I'm wearing it on the plane. So then I can wear it the next day and there's not any questions on if I've forgotten something because I have it on. But when you're sitting there looking outside and it's raining and you don't have an umbrella and you realize I'm going to freeze because <laughs> I'm wearing this outfit and I, I'm going to have to put it on again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Then I, I, I think of what you would tell me in that situation and it's not good. <laughs> well, you, this is what's so funny because you and I, because you came from your airline background and you were very, and you're very simple anyway. It's like no excess. And I'm one that I like to have options because I have been stranded before and didn't have things. And so it's like, I talk about trauma, um, being scarred. It's like, no, I will always have options. I will always have, and here's my thing. And I don't know if it's a temperament thing, but I could change my mind. Like if, as I'm packing, this outfit might look really good, but when I get somewhere and somebody wants to do something different, I might want something different to wear. And so there is a little bit, this, you know, we talk about the little things in life that trip you up, right? The little worries in life sometimes can get you stuck just as big as the big ones, just as much as the big ones. Mm-hmm. And so I worry about not having the right thing or not having comfortable and feeling comfortable and um, all of that. So I would pack for options, which I still do. And I have to work on that. But what would be so <laughs> funny is because you would mock me going, my goodness, your bag is so big and your bag, you could just lift with one finger practically. And mine, I'm lifting with two hands. And But the thing was, when we get somewhere and you'd be going, Oh, I forgot. Can I borrow? Because I would have seven pairs of shoes to your one. And, and I'd go, uh, well. <laughs> okay, okay yeah. I, have to, I have to back this up. Now, it's not that I forgot. It's just no, that you didn't want it. You didn't I, want it. It's not that you forgot. It was just you, didn't, you were trying to simplify so much. Excuse me, so much. And because I had options. So, yeah. So my options were, were good things sometimes. Yes. And, and yeah. that was the thing. It's like, well, if, if I'm going to have the options, if you're not wearing those shoes, then I could put on this and, you know, I could, like, change things up a little bit here. Absolutely. And you you barely let me borrow anything because you were trying to prove a point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. I know. That's our friendship, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then we laugh. And then we laugh. And we give it wear it. <laughs> yes. But you know, you know, talking about this thing with worrying and, and we'll see on the travel thing. I remember it's, it's, it's about also to kind of cope with worry. It's about putting things in perspective because I remember on a trip we went, um, we were on the East coast and I think it was Boston and we got done speaking and doing our thing. And we had, I think we had half a day or something before we had to go to the airport 
And we we got on a travel bus, a tour bus. Do you remember this? We got on a tour bus, and um, and then we had to fly home, and we cut it so close. And I remember, like, by the time the tour went later, and I remember telling people on the, the bus, our flight leaves, like, in an hour and a half, and we still had to get to the airport. We had still had to go to the stuff. And people were like, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. And I remember we started to stress about not making our flight, and then we kind of said, well, what's the worst case scenario? We're, we're late or we stay over. It's not like, you know, it's, a, it's not a big catastrophe. It's like it's going to be an inconvenience. And once we kind of put it in that category, it's like these our consequences is inconvenience and it wasn't life shattering. Then you're like, okay, let's just relax and deal with it. Do you remember that? Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's so good that you brought that up because – uh, literally on the worry and, and anxiety, you really do have to change your thought process and you have to ask yourself, is, is this the worst thing that can happen or can I enjoy it? Because we, I think we waste a lot of time doing that. And I, I just recently, did I share with you how I, I was in San Francisco and I, I needed to get to the Oakland airport? <laughs> just, just, this just happened. And it was the same thing. I messed up. I was at the wrong airport because I was reading my book and not paying attention. And when I went up to security to put my ticket in, the security guy said, you're supposed to be at the Oakland airport. Well, I had an hour and 15 minutes to get that flight. So I ran outside, I jumped in a cab and I put it on my GPS and it was saying it was right during traffic at six o'clock at night. And I looked at my GPS and it was showing an hour just travel time. So that means I had to get to the airport, get through security, get to my gate in just the wink of time. So I could make it, but in reality, I was thinking it's not going to happen. My heart was racing. I was so stressed out. And I did exactly what we did in Boston where I went, you know what? What's the worst thing that can happen? So what? So I have to stay over. So I missed my flight. I have to pay a little bit more. I did have to pay a hundred dollars just for the cab fare <laughs> to get over and you wow. go, but Oh, well, like you're going, you know, there's the golden gate bridge. Enjoy it. Like, look at the sunset. Look at the beauty of you're in San Francisco. Enjoy it. And it, it did. It changed my perspective. I was still a little stressed, but I was able to look at the beauty around me and I made the flight. Wow. So yeehaw. Yeah. 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 I know. I I think so many times it's how do I reframe this situation? Mm -hmm. Um, Especially in the little things that we can expend so much energy worrying about. Uh, And we do the what if and if I don't and whatever. But um, but just reframing it can be so powerful and so helpful in that whole thing and, and going, and, and I do, I find myself playing out worst case scenario and going, okay, this it's, it'll be okay. Even if that happens. And a lot of times the worst case scenario doesn't happen. And like you said, you, you didn't miss the flight, but you almost have to play it out um, to be able to, to be able to see it more clearly and put it in perspective. So um, yeah, all, all of that. It's just, so it's, it's just, it's just those little things. I think for me, um, the bigger things, I, I don't know. Sometimes I just go, I can't do anything about this. And I don't want to spend my time worrying, but I want to be, I also don't want to contribute more to some of these things. I want to be, um, 
a part of, of solutions with things, but not worry so much about it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, it's how do I, how do I lean in and engage and do what I can do, but leave the outcome. Like that's what you just like, especially as people that, you know, believe in, in, in God, it's like, I leave the outcome to God, but I still, you know, what is my responsibility in, the, in this, but then let it go. Yeah. The outcome. So have a plan yeah. B mm-hmm. strategize and being relentless positive, but yet in solution best. You know, like at what can my solution be and what what could be the best outcome? But mm-hmm. I think we have a tendency as humans, like Barb was saying, where we, we want to whine and complain and worry and be anxious. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just the way our, our natural, you know, the, the habits, but we can change the habits. That's mm-hmm. the beauty of it is being aware and pausing and going, okay, what narrative am I playing in my head right now? And what could be the best outcome rather than, than the worst outcome, mm-hmm. even though you might have to prepare for plan B, right? But, but then that's my plan B. Now I have to stop, pause in and, and move on and give it over to, to God. I've, I've done my part and try not to be the control freak. Right. Well, yeah. And, and I think, um, yeah, all of that is just it. And I think also processing it out loud with somebody like you, we were talking about, it's like you and me process out loud and just mm-hmm. talk about it. And sometimes just getting it out, it, it even seems less daunting once you can verbalize it and get it out. And, and even just not necessarily getting somebody to fix it because we can't always fix things, but just like listening to it, just knowing that you're heard can make a big difference and, and feel like, cause I know sometimes with me, I, I process so much out loud and, and you've had to hear a lot of my processing out loud. Um, but it, I feel better when you're done because you almost feel like you've done something. And I think that's part of worry. It's like you want to do something, but you don't know what to do. And sometimes just processing out loud is doing something Yes, <clears throat> and taking it that well. It's been a great show and, and been if fun. And with Barb, so no. you what? <laughs> I said, if we do say so ourselves, <laughs> well, that's been fun because Barb, Barb added, I'm not saying it's us, but we've had to roll with some punches <laughs> and we appreciate our producer, Ben, and just all the things. So thanks for joining our show today. Hope you got some tip, tips and tricks that you can learn and use in your life as we live worry free or try to live worry free. Thanks for joining Girlfriend at Radio with Patty and Lisa. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show.